0: Welcome to Midnight Book Club. I'm John Mark.
1: And I'm Alexa.
0: Pour yourself a stiff drink, pull up a chair, and get lost in the fantasy for a while. Storce. Source.
1: It's spelled S O R C E R E S S E.
0: Sure, well, we'll go with that one. I don't think that's accurate, but uh, we'll, we'll go with it.
1: Yeah, it's just one of the many spellings. I'm sure we can. Yeah, get
0: into I, I, I think it's it's you know it's the mark of a creative mind to never spell the same word a word the same way twice.
1: It's a fun little surprise. Yeah, like,
0: yeah. What is a, this word? It's a fun surprise. What is he trying to say? I don't know.
1: Communications with three M's. Communication. I
0: may have fallen asleep on the M key <laughs> while I was typing that.
1: Cape Bremerboard is Bremerboard.
0: I don't know what is I spelled that wrong. Like on your Bor
1: Ragnarok, like Bor Ragnarok. Yes. No. 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 It's um Cape Bremerboard.
0: Bremerboard. You... Is that the correct spelling? Yeah.
1: No, you have Bremerboard
0: I have Bemmerboard. Bremerboard. Bremerboard.
1: Board versus board.
0: I'm literally not hearing a difference.
1: Okay, one is a V, one is a B.
0: Okay, but which one is correct?
1: Bremer Vord is correct.
0: With a with a Victor? Yes. Okay. Yes. Bremer Vord. Yes. What is Bremer Vord?
1: It's just a geographical point.
0: Oh, okay. I don't think I got that. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I I don't I don't see what the difference is really there. Still,
1: you you spell things incorrectly,
0: or uh, I spell yeah. them creatively.
1: Well, yeah, there can be an element of creativity, Yeah, but it's still incorrect.
0: You stifle my creativity, Alexa.
1: You would still fail a spelling test.
0: But they're proper nouns, so I mean, technically there's no wrong way to spell them.
1: You don't just spell proper nouns. Wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Wait, wait. Did you say there's no incorrect way to spell proper nouns? There is no
0: incorrect way to spell proper nouns. If it's a name, you know. If it's a proper noun, it can be spelled however you define it and deem it to be spelled.
1: Where did you learn this in Christian school?
0: <laughs> hey, you went to Christian school too.
1: I know, but <laughs> the only thing that uh, Christian school took from me was an ability to do math.
0: You know, <laughs> I feel very attacked right now.
1: My teacher asked my mom mm-hmm. to help him teach geometry, and my mom is also not good at
0: math. <laughs> That's really not good.
1: It's a bad sign. <laughs> that
0: is a that is a very bad sign.
1: Yeah, I was behind in math like my whole school yeah, career. But... Yeah.
0: Somehow I made it through school with being as poor at math as I am.
1: Luckily in college they had like baby's first math class mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. I got like an A++. Yeah. Like my teacher was such a pushover. I think one time I walked into like a test 40 minutes late and he let me take it.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I had to take Statistics A and Statistics B. Uh, found out I didn't have to take Calculus. Um, and I was exceedingly excited about that because it's the only college class that I ever... I didn't technically fail it because I withdrew before, before the grades were like solidified. Um, but I was I was failing it.
1: <laughs> I love Statistics. It's one of my favorite things i took i i
0: really liked statistics i really liked statistics also um because i really saw applications for it um Mm -hmm. so like i could actually see like why we were doing the things we were doing i also actually did i liked the theory behind calculus i just was terrible at doing it
1: i never had to take calculus and i'm really glad i didn't
0: yeah um also like out of the class of like 15 i think like 10 of us were failing
1: that's not a good sign.
0: No, it really isn't. In terms
1: of like and comprehension. I,
0: I try not to be one of those people that like, oh, my teacher was terrible. But like, I, I think, I think when, I think when 10 out of 15 in the class are failing.
1: You're probably doing something wrong. I
0: think, yeah, I think the professor might have been, it wasn't helping at least.
1: Half of the reason I didn't do well in science in high school. And when I say didn't do well, I mean, mm-hmm. I've only gotten a C once in my life. and mm-hmm. It was in college. Um, And there is an explanation for it Mm -hmm. that's deeper than just I wasn't trying in the class. Yeah. Um, I got a B in it. um, But when I did chemistry, Mm -hmm. my teacher would come in play Mythbusters. For oh us yeah, yeah. And, I remember like, put her head down on a table. Yeah, she was and nursing a hangover. <laughs> when it would come time for a test, she'd be like, "Okay, like let's just review." I'm like, "What did we learn though? We didn't learn anything." Review
0: the two seasons of Mythbusters that we watched. <laughs> and then she
1: was like, "Yeah, let's take a test." And like everyone would be like so lost.
0: Okay, what's the what's the difference between an ionic and a non-ionic bond? Uh,
1: and we would do these weird like projects like we made ice cream one time it was like a fifth grade like (laughs) these are fifth grade projects and you're
0: doing it in like your senior year of high school i was (laughs) like
1: i'm way too old for this
0: (laughs) and today we're gonna learn how rain is formed oh
1: my gosh
0: condensation
1: i wasn't even in the bad science class can you imagine if i was in like remedial
0: oh good god (laughs) uh Now, remember, what is the difference between an animal, vegetable, and mineral? Some of them you can eat.
1: In Christian school, like, science class was basically... Do you remember those textbooks that you had in, like, Christian schools that told you, like, the applications of God and every, like, aspect? Had,
0: like, one or two of those, yeah. And, like, it would
1: conveniently rewrite, like, certain aspects. Like, yeah, yeah. actual,
0: (laughs) like, scientific laws and things like that. Like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: Gravity is God's divine will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I ever had any. No, no. But. (laughs) but. (laughs) Well, I mean, they still don't really technically fully know exactly what it is, but it's. uh, So, I mean, they can't. I guess that, you know, you can't logically prove a negative, so you can't say that it's not.
1: You can't say it's not God's divine. will. Exactly. Exactly. So. Time of contempt.
0: Time of contempt. Yes. Uh, we are starting Time of Contempt tonight uh, for reference. Um, so, we had this question come up once or twice. Um, we, we generally, as, as we've said before, try to hit around 50 pages per episode. Um, I didn't want to say chapter because they're not always chapters, but there, um,
1: we've only done sections that are mm-hmm. chapters. That are, ba-
0: that are basically chapters
1: no we've done chapters like there haven't been any that we haven't done chapters for okay
0: well we try to hit around 50 pages per episode
1: yes but they are also chapters at this point we haven't hit any ones that are irregular
0: okay well we try to go around 50 pages per episode so any of you who are trying to project out in terms of covering what what material um if there's no chapters you can kind of assume about 50 pages but this book does have chapters so yeah so time of contempt
1: Time of contempt. Yes. Time of
0: contempt. Uh so we are starting uh the first uh the first book or the f-
1: the first book. We're going all the way back. Taking
0: it way, way back.
1: <laughs> because you guys wanted us to do yep. all those chapters we did a little while ago, right? Do it all
0: again. Yeah. <laughs> um which I mean, you know, listening to the audio quality, I'm embarrassed of it way back when I, I would I wouldn't mind redoing them on better audio equipment, but we shouldn't. Yeah, we won't.
1: We don't have time. We have important work.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I apologize for anyone that that listened through the beginning in the early days. We're we're, sorry. We were learning. (laughs) I was learning. Um, I'd like to think it's gotten better. I'd like to think it gets better, a little better every time. But we are moving on to the first chapter of book four.
1: Okay. Depending on how you count. Yeah. We'll say book two of The Witcher Saga. Okay. Okay. So we just finished up Blood of Elves. Yeah. And this is the follow-up to Blood of Elves, Time of Contempt. Mm -hmm. And this is where the plot is really getting going. It's really boiling right now. This is a
0: very dense chapter too.
1: Blood of Elves was kind of simmering. Like Mm -hmm. things were happening. Mm -hmm. Like occasionally you get like a bubble on the surface, but now it's really hot. It's really moving. Yeah. People are going all over the board like, I always look at this a little bit like like pawns on, mm-hmm. a, on a game board. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, people were just kind of not straying too far. Like, you had a lot mm-hmm. of movement. You had, like, Geralt taking Siri to Ellender, But mm-hmm. in the second half of the book, you had people not really moving. Mm-hmm. People were just kind of staying where they were. Yep. The plot yep. was slowing down a little bit. And now we have people moving really fast mm-hmm. across the board, and we have, like, everyone traveling. Yeah. So the yeah. pieces are kind of up in the air, and we're seeing where they fall. Yeah. Um, so we did get a question. We
0: got uh, our first shout-out. Yeah. So we got our first shout-out.
1: Christina, thank you for um, coming to us with this question. But mm-hmm. Christina's mm-hmm. observation was a really good one. So Christina had been um, looking at the chapters um, for Time of Contempt Mm -hmm. and noticed that there were seven chapters Mm -hmm. in Time of Contempt. And there were seven chapters in Blood of Elves. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are seven chapters in the third book of the series as well. Mm -hmm. So her question was, do you think this is intentional? Do you think that there's any higher meaning to Mm -hmm. it? So I looked into it. So while these three core books Mm -hmm. each have seven chapters... Um, the last two mm. books of the saga, Tower of the Swallow mm. and um, Lady of the Lake don't have seven chapters. How many chapters do they have? So I believe, um, the Tower of Swallows has 10 mm-hmm. and the Lady of the Lake has, um, 12. Okay. But these are longer books. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the question of like, is seven intentional? Cause there are these seven books in mm-hmm. the core of the series mm-hmm. And there are seven chapters in a lot of the books. I don't think it's not intentional. I think that Anse really likes this number.
0: Anse pretty much never does anything that's not intentional.
1: And we were looking up the significance of the number seven. Mm-hmm. It has a lot of religious context, obviously, and not just in Christianity, but in um, Islam, in mm-hmm. um, Buddhism.
0: There's a There's a lot of places that it's considered like a perfect and complete number. Right. Um, and there, there's a lot of luck associated with it. Um, it's it's not just in religion either. There's a lot of just, you know, superstition surrounding the number seven. So,
1: And also cultural things like there are seven wonders of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we think that um, because Anse is a student of history and of um, world cultures, we mm-hmm. think it's a little bit inspired by that. Um, and also there's a possibility it might have a personal significance to him.
0: Um, as far as a personal significance, that I don't know. I don't know enough of his like uh what was going on. I don't know him personally, so <laughs> maybe that's just his uh, number, is just, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it might be his lotto numbers. Um, you know, you said there's like ten and thirteen in the last two books.
1: I think it's ten and twelve. Yeah. Ten and
0: twelve. Um yeah, so like maybe like seven, 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 ten, twelve is like I don't know. Um huh. I think you're Because particular... I don't know where the ten and the twelve would fit in but
1: he particularly likes seven I think yeah and I think yeah. it's a good observation thank you absolutely for bringing it up. yep um I wish I knew more about yeah. maybe what <laughs> his personal <laughs> yeah, affinity yeah. to the number is but I think that it's not a coincidence
0: absolutely not there there's no way Anse does not play coincidences um I would say I, I also now have this mental image of like a very frustrated, mildly compulsive Anse, who I think he probably is a little bit, um, trying to make the last two books seven chapters long. It would be a like, very cram- long chapter. And just like cramming them in, like, I can't make this work. <laughs>
1: yeah i i think that he very much likes that number Mm -hmm. but the last two books are too long to do that with they're like about 400 to 450 pages Mm -hmm. so there's just no way to well i mean like you can make really long chapters i guess but
0: yeah yeah but at the same time like you you want it to like flow naturally so like I think he probably got to a point where he realized he wouldn't be able to do it without adding like another book or something like that. And then he would have too many books. And like, you gotta, you <laughs> he, gotta. He
1: wants to keep it a seven. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> I could just see the frustration building in that one because that would drive me absolutely it, it, insane. Yes, it
1: would drive me insane as well.
0: Yes. Yep. So well, I, I can relate to that.
1: If anyone else has observations or questions you want us to discuss on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, you can follow us on Instagram and DM us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Midnight Bookcast. Mm hmm. Um, So you can find us and ask your questions. I think
0: Midnight Book Club was taken. Well, um, yeah, it's it's an
1: improv group at the University of Michigan. Oh. And I kind of figured they won't sue us, hopefully. Hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) If
0: they're even still together. I mean, you know, like college groups tend to disintegrate as soon as like the core people leave. So Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, Um, so yeah, Midnight Book Cast uh, is us on Instagram. Um, you'll recognize it from all the witcher fan art alexa does a fantastic job of uh, managing our social media as well Um, i I also would like to point out that if you if you look at instagram i don't do the instagram so much but all of the posts that alexa uh, provides in the overview page provide like a nice little grid of like alternating um, alternating like fan art and uh, witcher uh, episode podcast or podcast episode covers um, yes,
1: that's intentional. I'm a little bit. Um,
0: You're a little compulsive as well. A
1: little compulsive, like hmm, saying.
0: Yeah, <laughs> not at all relatable. No. <laughs> so, do we want to dive into the long and the skinny? Yeah.
1: Oh, that thing. Yeah, that thing. Uh, okay, yeah. we can try. <laughs> so
0: this is this is going to be this is going to be a big one. Um, there's a lot of material here. We're going to try and keep it uh, to a to a sane level here.
1: Stop tethering me to your time limits. (laughs) I don't like time limits.
0: You need a time limit.
1: (laughs) I am offended. If you want it to be a brief summary, maybe you
0: should do it. Okay, fine. Fine. You know what happened in this chapter? Some stuff. That's not a summary. That's a summary. That isn't. You can't say stuff didn't happen.
1: You are testing my patience today.
0: (laughs) Good. It's what I'm here for. I I believe it is my job, actually.
1: Okay, so I'm not going to be beholden to his timer, even though he is setting it, but I will try to get through this in a efficient way while also not negating the importance of this content. So we begin with the reading. I know I was a little bit lax about (laughs) reading because sometimes they don't really matter, but these first readings before chapter one Mm -hmm. are usually pretty important. Yeah, They set the tone. Um, There's usually some glimmers of future plots.
0: Beginning of the book is pretty important, really.
1: So it begins with this random, um like, quote. It doesn't really have any context other than, Blood on your hands, Falca. Blood on your dress. Burn, burn, Falca, and die. Die in agony for your crimes. So we don't know who Falca is. Mm-hmm. And we will find out later. Okay. But that is just a snippet from the beginning um, there's also a little um, bit about witchers being um, warrior priests and mm-hmm. like a little encyclopedia sort of entry. Okay. It's just talking about like witchers having superhuman abilities um, and, you know, having mutations, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. also called vitamins.
0: Vitamins. 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 Okay.
1: Which is kind of fun to say.
0: That is fun to say. I'm probably saying it wrong, but it's fun to say.
1: And we begin with a guy named Applegat. Mm -hmm. Applegat is a messenger. He is telling us the importance of having an arse of iron and a head of gold. Um, Because messengers are entrusted with delivering messages that are only for the ears of kings. And as a result... um, they have to remember something word for word. They can't forget like a single like a or the, mm. like it's important that it's word for word, which mm. gives me so much anxiety because I can't remember that. Oh my God. Yes. That. I, I,
0: I would. Yeah. I, I, yes. I would collapse on the ground trying to like make sure I got each word correct.
1: So Applegat has been a messenger for a long, long time. He's a Royal messenger. Mm. Um, so what he does day in and day out is mostly ride He Mm -hmm. rides on horses thus needing the arse of iron Mm -hmm. so he is spanning hundreds of miles in a week Mm -hmm. and he has to get from place to place very quickly so messengers were long thought to maybe be like unnecessary because sorcerers Mm -hmm. can Mm -hmm. deliver a message so much faster and it always arrives yep But messengers have recently been turned to by kings more and more because there's this growing distrust Mm -hmm. toward sorcerers and sorceresses. And that's for a lot of reasons. I think one of the big reasons is that there's a lot of fear Mm -hmm. growing about um, the power that sorcerers have, um, specifically the chapter which Mm -hmm. will be Mm -hmm. a huge focal point of this book in general. So there's a growing distrust of sorcerers and sorceresses because of the power they wield. The chapter has an enormous amount of political capital, Mm -hmm. and um, monarchs don't really trust that.
0: Who's the chapter, real quick?
1: The chapter is the seat of power among Mm -hmm. um, sorcerers and sorceresses. So the chapter... Kind of meets as a council mm-hmm. makes decisions. Um, just like you know, we've seen kings meet. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have their own sort of discussions, and they're not really beholden to the wills of kings. Okay, they're they're kind of a separate ruling governing body. Yep. And I think they also now. I'm not really sure how much the Witcher series on Netflix is considered canon.
0: Mm, Ooh, that's a good question
1: but i think they would also have some say in like which sorcerer would go where Mm, like mm, to be the court mm. magician because that's what we saw in the netflix series yeah like yennefer getting assigned to one place other people getting assigned to another place Mm -hmm. so i think they kind of figure out who's going to be where who's going to have power where and then they make decisions collectively on what they're going to guide kings and queens to do
0: yeah yeah that makes sense
1: that's what I think chapters do. Yeah. I could be wrong. That,
0: yeah, I was going to say, that it's. Uh, it dawned on me while we're going through this that it's never really defined exactly what the chapter is. Um, and it's the first time we've heard the name. So, go ahead.
1: But we're focusing on Applegat now. Mm-hmm. Because Applegat is doing some important deliveries. Um, we learn a little bit about him personally. He really likes being a messenger, even though there are jobs that are safer and probably pay more money. Mm. Um, and... He also, as he's passing through um, these different towns and territories, he's going between countries, he's hearing a lot of, like, whisperings of things that are going on. Mm-hmm. So we're learning a little bit through him about what's happening in the world right now. Yeah. Yeah. We learned that there's some uprisings happening in Dolangra. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. Dol Angra is this really important place because, as we learned last book, Dol Angra is... The other place where the Yoruga can be crossed by Nilfgaard. Mm, Yep. So it's this really like important place that Mm -hmm. everyone's gathering their militaries because that is the one threshold. That is the breaking point where uh, the territories can be invaded. Yep. Um, so there's little skirmishing happening um, between Nilfgaard and the troops of the allies, particularly Queen Meve's army. Mm-hmm. And there's also some like interesting things happen that are like specters of war. Mm-hmm. So the Wild Hunt mm-hmm. has been seen, heard yep. in countries nearby. Yeah, And the Wild Hunt is inspired by Scandinavian war. Mm-hmm. It's... This idea that there's, like, like a, an actual spectral army, kind yeah, of. Yeah,
0: they're ghost riders in the sky. Ghost I mean, riders really. in the
1: sky that move as a herald of war, herald mm. of bad things happening. Yep, yeah. So the wild hunt here is a, a sign of bad things to come, a bad omen. And also, mm-hmm. there's been a specter scene on the coast near Cape Bremerboard. mm mm-hmm. um, it's like a spectral figure mm-hmm. on board a ship, mm-hmm. and he has um, a helmet with the wings of a bird of prey. Mm.
0: So maybe he's not a spectral figure.
1: Yeah, we've heard of this figure a lot, but we know mm-hmm. that he is a living, like, breathing person. Yeah,
0: this is, this is a person.
1: So Applegat stops for the night at this particular inn. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes to sleep. He wakes up. He's, like, up at the crack of dawn because he has to get somewhere. And mm-hmm. he notices he's not the first person that's getting a horse ready. He sees a woman um, wetting her hands in the trowel, and she has this luxurious black hair. Mm-hmm. And she's also dressed in men's clothing. Mm-hmm. And then he sees this sleepy teenager with mm-hmm. ashen hair, emerald eyes, and um, she, she seems very, like, you know, like... She seems like a normal teenager. She's doesn't really mm. want to be setting off to ride that early. Mm-hmm. He says something like, oh, you know, when you get up into the saddle, you'll be wide awake. Miss. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? And he repeats himself because he thinks like, oh, she just didn't hear me. Mm-hmm. And then like something seems to take her over Mm -hmm. and she says danger comes silently Mm -hmm. you will not see it when it swoops down upon gray feathers and she's saying all these things that don't make any sense to him Mm -hmm. hot sand so he's like what and then the girl just keeps going on like nothing ever happened Mm -hmm. the black-haired woman calls out, Siri, why are you wasting all this time? Mm -hmm. And she just runs off and gets on her mare and rides off. Yep, yep. And it really shakes Applegat because he doesn't understand was the girl, like, mad? Was she a little weird?
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, she must have been sleepwalking. Maybe
1: she was just sleepy. He tries to brush it off Mm -hmm. and all the time he has this weird pain in his back. Mm Hmm. So, um, he continues on, though. And he, um, he, like, stops at a few places. He gets into sort of an altercation with another person who, um, says, you know, kind of like in a road rage incident, says, like, ride on, you won't outride death itself.
0: I forgot about that.
1: And he delivers two important messages. Um, mm-hmm. so one is from Demivend, who is the ruler of Atern. Mm-hmm to Fultus, who is the ruler of Tamaria, He delivers a message that, All is prepared in Dull Angra. The disguised forces await the order. Estimated date, the second night after the July new moon. The boats are to beach on the far shore two days later. Mm-hmm. And then he delivers a message from Fultus to Demavend. Firstly, let us call off the campaign. The windbags have called to council. They are going to meet and debate on the Isle of the Ned. This council may change much. Secondly, the search for the lion cub can be called off. It is confirmed that the lion cub is dead. Hmm. So, um, they're talking about that false flag operation mm-hmm. that um the Council of Crowns was discussing last book, mm-hmm. where they wanted to do a false flag operation at the Dahl-Ingra border. Yeah, yep. So um, these are really important messages because um, we're kind of figuring out what's going on between them. Mm-hmm. And um, we're learning that Voltus wants to put the kibosh on it for now. Yeah. Because yep. the chapter of mages is meeting. Mm-hmm. And that might be really consequential.
0: Yeah, there might be big things coming down the pipe from that.
1: And then he's saying to Demaven that the lion cub is dead. Mm-hmm. And remember, they mm-hmm. wanted to catch her and kill her. Yeah, yep. And also, how do they have this information that she's dead? It's a good question. Important questions. As Applegad is riding, he comes across this um, traffic jam. Carts are moving really slowly. Mm-hmm. And he stops and asks a couple of old men in a caravan above him, like, What's the hold up? Like, I really need to get through here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, there's no use. You can't get around this. You can't turn back. There's no other way through. Yep. Um, and he's like, okay, but what happened? And it turns out that there's this beast that was on the road and killed a knight.
0: Mm-hmm. It's a manticore. It's
1: a manticore. Mm-hmm. And um, people seem a little confused about what a manticore is. I think that's like the scorpion tail thing. Yeah.
0: So it's a, it, it's a... Basically, it's a mythological beast. It's a real mythological beast from Greekish mythology. Um, it has the body of a lion, the tail of a scorpion, the wings of a bat, um, and I think like two, usually two to three heads. One's like an eagle head, one's a lion head, and the other one is, I think, a snake head. Yeah. Um, but, anyways, carry on.
1: So, this manicure had also wiped out a company of dwarves. And mm-hmm. We know dwarves are hardy, so yep, that's, yep. that's 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 an big accomplishment. Um, and then almost as um, soon as they begin talking, the body of this manacore is being loaded up into mm-hmm. like a, a wagon, mm-hmm. and they're all like, "Oh, what happened?" And it turns out that um, there's this witcher mm-hmm. who people remembered was in an adjoining town, and yep. they went to go get him because okay, we've got to get. Something we got to clear there. this
0: thing out somehow. We
1: got to clear the roads, we've got to like stop this beast from killing everyone. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, no one knows what happened because they've been stuck back here in this traffic jam and mm-hmm. no one saw it. And yeah. then this boy comes riding along and he's like, Oh, I saw exactly I saw what happened. And yep. the old men are like, Oh, shut up. And um, Applegat is like, No, I want to hear what happened. Mm-hmm. So the witcher actually was named Geralt. The boy tells um, them all about how the Witcher had negotiations with two of the guards. Mm -hmm. The guards were trying to slowball him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. wanted to give him, like, 110 crowns or something. And then um, the Witcher was like, yeah, I'm not going to risk my neck for that. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I know that you guys have no one else that can help you with this. Yeah, yep. And finally, they get up to, like, 150 crowns, and the Witcher is like, cool, I'll do it for you. Mm And so he makes quick work of the manicure. Um, The boy didn't actually see any of the fight, even mm-hmm. though he suggested he did. Mm-hmm. So he heard the sheriff um, declare that there's no way a man can wield a sword that fast. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, mm-hmm. like, to watch a witcher fight must be really fascinating. Yeah. Yep. Because he's moving superhumanly and he's really making quick work of it. Yep. Um, so I guess as soon as he was able to get his money, he, um, rides off Mm -hmm. to another town. Yep. We actually catch up with Geralt here. Mm -hmm. So Geralt usually doesn't dream when he sleeps, Mm -hmm. but he has this vivid dream of him watching Ciri ride by. Mm-hmm. She's passing him on a, on the road, and he tries to call out for her, but he can't. He can't open his mouth. He can't even talk. Mm. Um, and she's being pursued by a black knight mm-hmm. with wings on his helmet. Huh. And she is grabbed by him. Mm. And Geralt wakes up. Yeah. It's a really, like, helpless dream.
0: It's not at all relatable and not at all, like, dreams that a lot of people have.
1: Right. And so now he's in this town. He's wandering through um, a place called Doringer, mm-hmm. and um, he's looking for a particular place. Mm-hmm. And he finds it finally. It's um, a building marked Codringer and Fenn mm-hmm. Legal Consultations. And Geralt notices, like he actually quips to himself, "He's been here before. Mm-hmm. You can tell um, that." none of the people that live in this town would even know what a consultation would mean. Yeah,
0: yeah, what a legal consultation actually is.
1: Geralt doesn't go through the main door because he knows that the main door doesn't actually lead to anything. And there's this elaborate back entrance system where mm-hmm. you have to shimmy and make your way to this one door in the back and mm-hmm. um
0: God help them if that place ever just, caught fire. Uh- <laughs>
1: Not up to fire code for nope, sure. Nope, not up to fire code. And so he he knocks on the door and immediately like steps back because he remembers that there's like a trap mm-hmm. on it. And even though like the trap is only like meant to activate if there's like an intruder, mm-hmm. he doesn't really trust the trap. He doesn't
0: it. trust me- uh, mechanical devices.
1: Yeah, and, and there's some sort of good like policy. magic face recognition or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Codringer answers the door mm-hmm. and Geralt's like, it's always Codringer, never Fen." Mm-hmm. He... I'm looking for Fenn. ...doesn't really believe that Fen exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so Codringer is, um, the super shady lawyer.
0: hmm mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, he makes things happen. He I was gonna
0: say, he's not just a lawyer. He's a, he's a lawyer slash fixer. Like, he He's just, a fixer. He just kind of makes things happen or go away
1: yeah he he's a if you need something done Mm -hmm. whether it's like a legal thing like whether you need a relative to get off of a murder charge Mm -hmm. or you need something found Mm -hmm. or you need a certain amount of inheritance like this is the person you come to Mm -hmm. and for a fee he'll do anything you need him to do yeah
0: it, it it he's kinda like a weird bizarro like mafia don genie. Yeah. Like he just kind of like you come to him with like a need or like a wish and he makes it happen. It may not necessarily be what you wanted and it may not you may not want to ask a lot of questions about how it happened. But you'll get what you want. You'll have to pay for it, but you'll get what you want.
1: Yeah. So Codringer and Geralt sit down in Codringer's office. Codringer has a large tomcat, mm-hmm. and uh, Geralt has a, a really funny interaction with him later, mm-hmm. which is the only reason I mentioned there's a cat. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Codringer and Geralt sort of beat around the bush a little bit, and Codringer says, oh, Dandelion showed up a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. He really didn't mm-hmm. say much. And Geralt's like, oh, that's the first time I've ever heard that Dandelion yeah. said too little too little <laughs> like no one ever says that mm-hmm. um cod says he sort of equates himself with Geralt. he says mm-hmm. i'm a witcher too yeah i'm people, you know i'm, I'm a witcher of people sorts. pay me to do things and i get them done and gerald is jokingly like well there are some differences
0: there's quite a few differences <laughs> oh, there's some differences a, a
1: little yeah. bit um, so Codringer is like, yeah. Why don't you pay me, and I'll tell you what I know. Mm-hmm. And so Geralt coughs up the money, mm-hmm. and he starts stating that he did some digging on Rhine's, mm-hmm. which we remember that Rhine's got away. Yeah, last yep, book. Yep. So Philippa, even though Rhine's was like literally an inch away from being killed by Geralt, or mm-hmm. at least coughing up some information. Yeah, yep. Philippa came by, let him go. He escaped yep. through a portal, and that's the last we've heard of mm-hmm. him. So Geralt is trying to track him down. Yeah, yep. Or at least finding some information about him. He's
0: mostly trying to figure out who Reince worked for.
1: Yeah, so he wants a name. And so Codringer says, here's the stuff I figured out. He worked in the Cadewind Secret Service for a time. hmm he actually was a sorcerer apprentice for a while, mm-hmm. and he was kicked out of the school. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. He did some time in the dungeons of Sintra mm-hmm. during the time of Queen Kelampe, um, for debts, interestingly mm-hmm. enough. But then the debts were paid off anonymously, mm-hmm. and he can't really find out... Who did it?
0: There's... Even even Kadringer couldn't after after digging into like the fifth shell company, he couldn't figure out who had actually paid these debts.
1: So this person really doesn't want to be found. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ryan's resurfaced after the war in Sodden. Mm-hmm. So that's not too long ago. That's no, like no. three four years ago at this point. Yep yep. And um, he didn't change his name or appearance. Nope. Nope. And Geralt thinks that's kind of interesting Because mm-hmm. wouldn't you think that He would want to change something about him Yeah too?
0: yeah like why, why wouldn't you Like go by a different name or like Grow your beard out Or like shave your head or something
1: Yeah and This is where Codringer makes a really interesting point He says mm-hmm. that by using Any illusions like mm-hmm. That are not stuff you can do Like yourself yeah. Whether it's grow your hair or anything yep. like that um, it would set off all kinds of magical alarms yeah at every city you have like kind of a checkpoint you have magic around those gateways mm-hmm. if you had illusions everyone would know where you were yeah
0: it's um it's more alerting to magically change your appearance than it is to just kind of like try to blend in as much as possible
1: so for all these years he's been looking for Siri um and that's just Like, there's no way of knowing who employed him at this point. He's Mm -hmm. just been, like, doing this one task. Mm -hmm. But um, because he wasn't formally trained in real magic, um, there is evidence he's working for a sorcerer. Yeah, yeah. Someone more powerful than himself. And it seems like that sorcerer might be working in conjunction with Nilfgaard, Mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense for Codringer. Yeah. Because who, what sorcerer would want to work for Nilfgaard? Because like Amir keeps them on a really tight leash. Yep. Yep. They're not given the kind of power that like Philippa is given in Rudania. Like sorcerers are at a really high level with Kings. They can go Mm -hmm. toe to toe with them in Mm -hmm. other places. But for Nilfgaard, there's really not that room. So Codringer is like, okay, you've got these people chasing after you. You're in quite a pickle, but it's good you're asking me for help. Mm-hmm. Because I can help you get out of pickles. I'm That's very what good at getting people out of pickles. Actually, I've already helped you a little bit. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks back, um, a couple of Temerian Secret Service men came to a specialist. Mm-hmm. About finding a certain lion cub of Sintra, mm-hmm. And the specialist had already considered the, the witcher was a client of his. Mm-hmm. And he was able to pull the wool over their eyes a little bit. Mm-hmm. And convince them after a few weeks that the lion cub was dead. Mm-hmm. And he noticed that it was really believable. They even had like tears in they their eyes. They were even crying a little bit, yeah. As he showed them evidence that the girl had died while at a refugee camp.
0: Mm -hmm. She died of, like, the pox or something like that.
1: And Geralt's like, well, that's great, but that's only one of the forces that are looking for her. Mm -hmm. You have the Nilfgaardians. You have whoever Reince is working for. You have all these people looking for her. The Itamarians are Mm -hmm. just one.
0: Literally every single, like, large body, large governmental body is looking for her.
1: Yeah, um, as kind of as an aside, Geralt notices that there's this portrait in the corner of the room. He's been mm-hmm. looking at it, and Codringer is like, "Oh, is there anything you re- really find interesting about that portrait?" He's like, "Well, aside from the fact that it has a bunch of holes in it, like mm-hmm. I just like don't know who the portrait is of." And he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, that that's my father, the idiot." Yeah, yeah. He's like, "I keep it as a reminder not to be that bad or mm-hmm. not to be that stupid." Yep. <laughs> um. So. Codringer says, let's go, like, try to figure out more about Siri, like, figure out more about what we can do about that. Mm-hmm. Come to my secret passage, mm-hmm. and we can look up some more things that might help you. Mm-hmm. As they're going to the secret passage, uh, Codringer, so Geralt and the cat have been at odds, mm-hmm. and the cat constantly hisses at Geralt.
0: And the cat and runs away while they're walking through the courtyard.
1: Codringer is like, "Is there any reason why cats don't like you, Geralt? Is it because of the yes, thing?
0: yes, it does." <laughs>
1: Geralt cuts him off and says, "Yes, yes, it does."
0: So he he was implying. I'm 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 sorry, but he was implying that like the cat doesn't like him. The cats don't like witchers because witchers have cat eyes. And it looks really creepy and unnatural to them. So, like, <laughs> yeah. my my brain immediately jumps to the idea of, like, what, what would the opposite of that would be? And it would be the equivalent of, like, coming across a human w- or a, a cat with human eyes.
1: That would be weird.
0: And, like, then I, all I could think of was the that scene from What We Do in the Shadows where, like, uh, they talk about, like, uh, Nando. I'm like, he never really quite gets the faces, right? It's <laughs> a cat with a human face. Yeah,
1: because they're vampires and they transfigure into animals.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so they go to, to the secret passage, which is this, like, kind of a bookcase from Scooby-Doo that mm. opens into, like, a basement area. Yep, yep. And uh, he's like, Codringer returns to Geralt, and he's like, you can meet my partner, Fen. Mm-hmm. And he's like... Geralt's like, oh, really? Like, I'm going to meet. He, he actually exists. <laughs> and, uh, Codringer says, admit it. You thought it, he was made up the whole time, right? And, uh, Geralt was like, no, definitely. No, I,
0: I, I knew he was real. Yeah, definitely.
1: So, um, as they get down to this other passage, they see a small man in a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Um, he has dwarfism, he has a large head. And, um, codringer introduces geralt fen um Mm -hmm. geralt meet my partner fen who i'm sure that you suspected did not exist yep and so the entire room is just this giant library Mm -hmm. and it's got tomes that like geralt said wouldn't be out of place in like a king's chamber Mm -hmm. like there there are a lot of like it's a library in Mm -hmm. here there's all kinds of important books and rare books
0: which we we sort of um permit me to tangent just for a hot second here because we in in the modern era kind of forget how rare information is um because we're we're so accustomed to the internet and just having all information at our fingertips at all time um a lot of times especially in like the middle ages if you had a copy of a book, it may be one of like four copies in the entire world.
1: And this was before printing presses. Correct. Correct. So you you had to, like a monk would spend Mm -hmm. like months, months transcribing one book.
0: Yes. Um, So to have multiple books and like, so having like that reference of a record or like a textbook or something like that was invaluable because you didn't necessarily know that information wouldn't be easily accessible to anyone else um so having those sort of references was was kind of a big thing um i also wanted to point out too that uh earlier in the in the chapter it was mentioned that um basically codringer would very often use a the fictionalized fen uh his partner as like a scapegoat for like debtors or like uh bill collectors who would come knocking and he'd be like Oh yeah, you're looking for my partner Fen. He's off doing something else. Uh, go, yeah. go get him.
1: Well, this is what Geralt observes even after he meets the real Fen. Mm-hmm. Like there's a real Fen who Geralt didn't think existed, mm-hmm. but Fen is also this other person yes. that ends up being like an alter ego where mm-hmm. he's traveling and he's a he's a great like scapegoat yes yes yeah and so um there's also a bunch of like forging equipment there's an abolis mm-hmm. like there there's all these like like thief devices <laughs>
0: it's a uh, so this is like also like an engineering like weapons workshop as well yeah um,
1: there's a lot of interesting things then mm-hmm. is like i have all of this information that i've been researching mm-hmm. i've um I've created, like, this list of potential sorcerers that Rhines could be working for. Mm-hmm. Let's first talk about why all four kingdoms are currently trying to find Ziri. Yeah. Yep. Because um, she is very, like, magically powerful because she's the descendant of Queen Kalanthe, mm-hmm. But she also has a lot of political significance. Yep. Yeah. As the only relative of Calanthe, she would not necessarily be entitled to the throne, but she's the closest thing there exists to mm-hmm. an heir. Yeah. The reason she wouldn't be okay to be on the throne is because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And um, the throne of Sintra did only recognize male. Mm-hmm. Um. Male heirs to the throne,
0: yeah, and the people of Sintra are very heavily loyal to the the Queen Calante's family. Um, even even though they're loyal to the male person who's on the throne, and you know, only only the male can have the the the, the power, they're still very adherent to the family lineage that Siri is from Kalanthe's family.
1: Right. So she's important even though she can't technically inherit the throne because she has mm-hmm. this royal blood.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Whoever she marries is going to then be the, the king of Sintra,
1: Right. And so the kingdoms want to catch and kill her because they mm-hmm. don't want that problem on their hands. Correct. And who knows, like, why Nilfgaard w- would want to find her either. So there is that political reason for it. mm mm-hmm. um, so, one of the things he brings up is Queen Calamthe, even for all the power she had when she was ruling, couldn't even change this yes, rule.
0: Yes. She tried to she tried to get this adjusted um, because she felt that she was the, the rightful heir. Um, but they have this very ancient rule that, like, the women can't hold power.
1: Yeah. In fact, Fen sort of weaves this little narrative about Kalanthe mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and how she went through all these lengths to keep the crown. Mm-hmm. Um, Kalanthe could only be on the throne if she married King Ragnar mm-hmm. um from Ebbing. And then Ragnar, like, could not have a son with mm-hmm. Kalanthe. Kalanthe mm-hmm. only had a daughter, Pavetta. Yep. And so he muses that Ragnar was trying to find another yeah. wife. Yeah. Kind of Henry the Eighth style. Mm-hmm. And um, suddenly he dies, very suddenly, of pox. Mm-hmm. Like, isn't that interesting?
0: During the plague, he, he dies, yeah. Um, and it's probably related to the pox. Maybe not. So,
1: Calante is able to retain the throne. And when her daughter comes of age, um, she puts off for a few years finding an heir for her. Because as soon as she marries a man, her husband descends mm-hmm. to the throne. Mm-hmm. And finally, she turns 15 and it's too late. Mm. Oh, no. She's already had sex with someone. Yep. And it turns out to be this hedgehog man named Dooney.
2: Hedgehog man.
1: Um, oh, and uh, she orchestrates it so that Pavetta can marry Dooney, mm. who no one really wants to ascend to the throne. Because remember how angry they were mm. in A Question of Price. Yep, like. yeah. No one wanted this creature to ascend to the throne. Mm-hmm. So suddenly they're all great with Kalante staying. Yeah. Yep. So um, what's interesting about that is that after a while, Pavetta and Juni die in a shipwreck. Mm. And that's interesting, too. Interesting. Huh? Mm. And they only had a daughter, Siri, And so now she's safe from even them because they're mm-hmm. dead. Yeah. And now we just have Ciri. Mm-hmm. and it seems like Kalante was always orchestrating mm-hmm. a way to keep herself on the throne.
0: so Kalante uh, had also remarried Eirst at that point, East, as well East Eirst yes. um East, <laughs> East. <laughs> um had remarried him at that point. Uh, and Siri was a young. Um, but Kalante realized that if she could have a son with East then that son would have a more legitimate claim to the throne than Ciri would, mm-hmm. thus keeping her in power and her lineage a little bit like closer to the chest kind of thing.
1: Yeah, so he's kind of just retelling the story as a, a way to frame this narrative of mm-hmm. one of the ways that we could circumvent Ciri being sought out mm-hmm. is if we start spreading this rumor that she really doesn't have any claim to it at all mm-hmm. because... She's the result of a misaligned marriage. Mm-hmm. So when Pipetta married Dooney, who really is a no one of nowhere, mm-hmm. um, she effectively created a union that doesn't have a lot of royal claim to the throne mm-hmm. of Sintra. And so, um, Siri being the child of this misalliance, she doesn't have a claim. Mm-hmm. So if they start circulating this rumor, maybe people will stop looking because yeah, they, yeah. she doesn't seem like such a hot commodity anymore.
0: She doesn't have any, any tactical function anymore.
1: And here's where Geralt chimes in and he's like, but like Dooney actually was royal mm. because I was there, mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Um, I know that Juni was the king. He was the king of some southern province, like Maked's son. Mm. Um, and Fen is really interested in this. He's like, "Oh, who is his father?" Like, mm-hmm. and then he, they start looking up like the lineage of Maked. and they see that um, the king before the current one. Um, now now it's under a mirror, of course. Mm-hmm. But the king that would have been Dooney's father would be Akerspark, mm-hmm. which Geralt seems to think rings a bell. Like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's who that he said his right. dad was. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Fenn reads off the number of descendants he had, and he had something like 10 kids. Mm-hmm. And they all had like rhyming names. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like
0: Or, Boar, Gore, Dor. Tor.
1: And Rodriguez. <laughs>
0: and, yeah. <laughs> Just, there was an oddball one in there. But none of them were named Dooney.
1: None of them were named Dooney.
0: He also had quite a few bastards as well. And I say bastards in the actual technical sense of original meaning of the term.
1: Yeah, so...
0: Also none of them named Dooney.
1: Right. So it seems like maybe Dooney wasn't a king's son at mm-hmm. all. Like, maybe it was a cover story. Yep. So, um... Dooney has no claim to the throne. Ciri doesn't have a claim to the throne. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can just spread that rumor. Mm -hmm. Geralt starts asking about this whole, like, I hear this term child of the elder blood in reference to Ciri a lot. Mm -hmm. I still don't know what the hell it means. Um, And Fen is like, well, like, basically what it means is this, like, it's like this elven prophecy and it's a very big deal mm-hmm. but in order to actually interpret the prophecy which is by this one person um ithleen mm-hmm. who we have talked about in the past like we need to actually like get an elf to help us parse through it and yeah, codringer yep. is like nope we don't have time to do this today Geralt, come with me let's go back to my office mm-hmm. And so, um, once they're sitting down in the office, like, Geralt is like, it's about money, right? Like, I haven't paid you enough to, mm-hmm. like, go into the prophecy card. Yeah. Codringer is like, I know that, like, this is going to be more trouble than it's worth. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, we have to find an elf, and, like, we might get, you know, sieged by Skoyatel on the way, mm-hmm. and they might kill us, mm-hmm. like... It's expensive. It takes a long time. Like, it would just. Elven
0: prophecies are written in like all kinds of double meanings. So, there's so many
1: double meanings in coded language. Um, So, Mm -hmm. Geralt's like, okay, how much? And Codringer is like, I want 10% of whatever you'll make. I know that whatever this is has a Mm -hmm. high dollar amount. I want to be in on the cut. Mm -hmm. And uh, Geralt's like, believe me or not. I am doing this for no money. Mm-hmm. Like there is literally no financial gain. Mm-hmm. And Codringer is like, "Come on, I don't believe you're not doing this for anything." Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, "Okay, how much would I have to pay you up front?" Mm-hmm. And Codringer is like, "The same price as before, five hundred crowns." Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, "I don't have that money right now. Yeah, and probably won't for the foreseeable future." So Codringer is like. Well, if you came to work for me, you could afford it. Like, I've already given you this offer several times. It would be great to have Mm -hmm. a witcher like you with your talents working for me. And Geralt's like, I can't for reasons I can't get into now Mm -hmm. and whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. we know that Geralt doesn't like um, working for anyone. He works for himself. Yeah, yeah. But there are other reasons too. So Codringer tells Geralt, you got to be careful. Someone is playing with you. Mm-hmm. This whole thing seems to have trap written all over it. It's no Shriga. It's no werewolf. It's not any creature you're used to dealing with. Mm-hmm. So stop playing this game. Get out. Go back to Care Just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. The girl will be captured and like they'll find her. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it'll all be fine.
0: What, what do you care, girl? Yeah. Get out.
1: And... This is where, like, of course, Geralt doesn't want to leave Ciri to her own devices, but Codringer is like, actually, hint, hint, wink, wink, there's this girl I found. Mm-hmm. Um, she's the son of Centrion. She's mm-hmm. working, like, as a seamstress in a nearby village. Mm-hmm. She has an uncanny resemblance. Mm-hmm. to siri don't yeah. you think look at this one portrait mm-hmm. and Geralt's like i don't want to have a scapegoat i don't want some other poor girl to take the fall
0: mm-hmm. yeah because if another if another girl takes the fall more than likely she's going to die and somebody's probably going to try and kill her and Geralt doesn't want an innocent you know girl dying on his on his watch
1: so Geralt's like okay tell me something else for the money that's sitting in your drawers mm-hmm. um I know that Yennefer and Ciri are headed somewhere. I know they left Mm -hmm. Elendor. Where are they headed? Mm -hmm. So Yen and Ciri are moving through um, the town of Anchor Mm -hmm. on their way to um, Gorsvelin, which is Mm -hmm. the capital of Temeria. Mm -hmm. And uh, he also knows there's someone following them. Mm -hmm. And so Codringer is like, yeah, that's true. Um, But they're not... um, they're not necessarily any of the forces we've talked about today. Mm-hmm. I actually have no idea who they're working for. Yep. Um, so they're these hired thugs, they're not royal agents. Mm-hmm. Um and say that you left today, you might be able to catch up to them in this town.
0: Yep. And they're they're very well known mercenaries, basically.
1: Yeah, they they have names that are not super important, so we won't go into them today. I don't even remember their names. It's like the professor, but little people, Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> people recognize their <laughs> names. Characters recognize so, their names.
1: Geralt, if he leaves today, can catch up with them in three days' time in Anchor, mm-hmm. and in the um, in the process, kind of save Yennefer and Ciri from having a confrontation or mm-hmm. perhaps being in danger. Yeah. Yeah so um Codringer starts doing this little aside about throwing stars he's been Mm -hmm. playing with this throwing star that's kind of like a ninja throwing star yeah yeah um during their whole conversation he's been fiddling with it and he's like you know you should really try out these throwing stars they're really great Mm -hmm. like you can carry a bunch of them around um they'd be great to have on hand i can sell you a couple and gerald's like yeah, I don't want those. They make a sound. Mm-hmm. They they, they kill my vibe. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm a stealth person. Like I'm just you know, no, I'm not interested. And Conringer is like, well, the sounds kind of part of it. It's like a psychological terror in addition, mm-hmm. like that whistling. Um, and Geralt's like, well, yeah, well, I could hear them coming. Yeah, like, it,
0: it's alerting. Like I, I could hear them coming. I could duck.
1: And Codringer's like, oh, I bet that I could like throw one at you and. Hit you? I bet you wouldn't be able to hear it, or you wouldn't be able to move in time. Mm-hmm. And Geralt's like, "Okay, you want to bet?" Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "Okay, um, against my better judgments, yeah, I would, I would bet." Yeah. yeah. And uh, girl's like, "Okay, well, if you throw it and miss me, mm-hmm. then you're going to give me information about the elder blood and the prophecy." For free. Mm-hmm. So Codringer's like, and if you lose? And Geralt says, Well, if I lose, you still do all that research, you still get all that information, and you just give it to yennefer yennefer will pay. Mm. So uh Codringer's like, All right, I take you up on it. Um stand with your like face to that portrait that's mm-hmm. all holy that he's been throwing throwing stars at for a while. Um, So Geralt does it and um, he throws the throwing star and he's like, "You didn't even flinch. And Geralt's (laughs) like, why would I? I heard you aiming to miss. (laughs) We catch up with Applegat at an inn. And Mm -hmm. uh, he he notices right away when he steps in the inn, the um, innkeeper has a sour look on his face because um, royal messengers are entitled to a fresh horse at every Mm -hmm. inn by Mm -hmm. royal decree. So whether they um, need it or not, they can demand a horse for no mm-hmm. payment. And as a result, they lose their great horse. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have been rearing since the foal. like.
0: It's like the fam. A lot of times it'll be like the family pet or something like that. It's and like,
1: really dreaded. It's
0: horrible. And uh, royal messengers end up being really hated.
1: And so Applegat is like, calm down. I don't need a horse. Um, I could just use some food. The innkeeper breathes a sigh of relief, gets him some gruel. So Applegat gets to eating, and uh, out of the shadows, a white-haired man starts talking to him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, interesting. You're a royal messenger. Mm -hmm. And uh, where where are you going with those messages? And uh, Applegat gives his canned boilerplate response, which is, I deliver messages to places Mm -hmm. (laughs) and uh, Geralt's like, just as well, but you should probably like get out of here. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some stuff that's about to go down. Not sure if you want to be here just as a warning. And Applegat is like, well, I, I just need to rest for a few hours. I've been on the road for a long time. And he's like, cool. Well, I would just Stay in here. No matter what happens, no matter what you hear, stay in here. Mm -hmm. And so Applegat's like, great. And uh, the man who is wearing a leather jacket, leather Mm -hmm. gloves, has white hair. We know this is Geralt. Something
0: studded leather glove. I think we already called him Geralt, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a big surprise reveal, but you kind of already know who it is.
1: So um, Geralt leaves the inn, goes outside, um, lies in wait. And Doppelgat doesn't know what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. But a few minutes later, these three guys arrive at the inn and they're making a bunch of ruckus. They mm-hmm. want ale. Um, they all have the, the look about them of hired thugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they are starting to eat, they hear this voice. So Geralt says, you have two choices. Either one of you comes out and tells me who hired you. Mm-hmm. Or you all come out at once and fight me. Mm-hmm. And so they're all like, okay, well, I'll come out and fight you. It's not that scary. Yeah. Um, And so right away after they go out, just screaming starts. Like, they clash weapons. But within mm-hmm. probably five minutes, they're all, like, close to death. And the last one comes running into the inn. But at the doorway, he gets brutally murdered. hmm and so uh, Geralt comes in very casually, and he's like, In a couple of days, a bailiff might come in, mm-hmm. ask about these men, ask about what happened. You just tell them if they ask, mm-hmm. the wolf came for them.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: And it was like maybe the most edgelordy it's thing. It's super that Geralt edgelordy. Has ever done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that speech was Just like, let them know uh, that the wolf
0: bit them. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's so cringy, but it's 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 good. I mean, really.
1: <sighs> so, after that little bit of trauma, Applegat uh, rides off to um, deliver a message mm-hmm. to Redania. Mm-hmm. So now he's riding to um, King Vizimir, mm-hmm. and uh, instead of meeting with Vizimir, um, mm-hmm. which is typical, you're only delivering messages for the ears of the king. Mm-hmm. In Redania, there is one other person that is sanctioned to hear messages mm-hmm. that are for kings only. And it's our old pal Dijkstra. Dijkstra.
3: Hmm.
1: So, um, Applegat gives him the memorized message, mm-hmm. which is um, Demaven to Vizmir. Firstly, the disguised troops are ready for the second night after the July new moon. Take care that Foltus does not let us down.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Secondly, I will not grace the conclave of the devious old windbags of the Ned with my presence, and I would advise you to do the same.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Thirdly, the lion cub of Sintra is dead. And so uh, Dijkstra gives him a message to take back to um, Demivend, mm-hmm. Visimir to Demivend you must hold back the disguised troops. There has been a betrayal. The Mm. flame has mustered an army in Dol Angra and is only waiting for an excuse. Mm -hmm. And so Dijkstra's like, cool, got it. Repeat it back to me. All right, you leave it set up. Mm -hmm. And uh, Applegat's like, but I just want to rest for the night. And Dijkstra's like, no, you're not doing (laughs) that. You're good. I'll give you a fresh horse and Mm -hmm. this is times of the essence. You've got to do this like right now.
0: Yep. You've got, like, 15 minutes. Catch your breath. This needs to go out right now.
1: So Applegat, as sort of an aside, is like, yeah, I saw this really weird thing in an inn near here. Mm-hmm. And uh Dijkstra's ears perk up, and he's like, what'd you see? Mm-hmm. And uh Applegat tells him, oh, there was this white-haired witcher, and he killed these guys brutally. Mm-hmm. And Dijkstra is like, okay, so... The Witcher is killing these thugs on the way to Gore's Velen and the Lion Cub is dead. Mm. And Applegat's like, "Pardon?" and he's like, "Oh, no matter. Mm, yeah. Go rest, get mm-hmm. ready to ride. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the information, kid."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so We know that Dijkstra <laughs> has
0: pieced some things together.
1: Applegat rests for like an hour or two and then gets back on the road a couple hours later. Mm-hmm. Um so they um cut to this scoyatel meeting with Mm -hmm. a couple like three elves are in the woods and they're um they're talking amongst themselves and they're saying oh should we shoot this one guy
0: Mm -hmm. and there's a rider coming through yeah
1: two of them are kind of like oh don't bother with it like it's just like a random civilian he's not Mm -hmm. even with anyone yeah and besides he's like already like 200 leagues away or Mm -hmm. what is it 200 paces 200 paces away Mm -hmm. Um, it's not even worth it, but this one guy is really gung-ho about mm-hmm. it. Um, the only name that is important to remember here is Toraville, mm-hmm. who Toraville was the elf, the girl elf, mm-hmm. during um, The Edge of the World. Mm-hmm. Um, with the
0: goat man thing.
1: That got into an altercation with Geralt. Like, Geralt actually, mm-hmm. like, bashed his head into hers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's with the Squietal now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, they both fail to convince their friend, and he ends up shooting this mm-hmm. one lone civilian, so we they make
0: note of the 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 type of arrow that he used um it was like thirty inches long um was designed for for good range he had a seventy pound draw bow um that probably could if done right could could hit someone at two hundred paces away uh specifically the, the they use um this fletching uh, its made out of owl feathers, uh, gray owl feathers. They specifically use the owl feathers because they're silent in flight.
1: Mm-hmm. So we briefly cut back to Applegat, mm-hmm. who is on this road. And he keeps thinking that time is running out.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And as he's riding, an arrow hits him. And he doesn't even know what happened. Didn't hear it. Did not hear it. It arrives silently. Mm-hmm. He collapses, dies instantly on hot sand.
0: Falls out of his horse, lands on hot sand.
1: And we know here that the prophecy that Ciri said, mm-hmm. Siri predicted this, or whoever was occupying Ciri said death would arrive silently.
0: Silently on gray wings.
1: Hot sand. Hot sand. And Dapplegat dies. And scene. Yes. So that is how our first chapter of *Time of Contempt* ends. Mm-hmm.
0: So there's a lot there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. That is a that is a long, beefy chapter. Um, a lot of exposition, um, but like in a in a very good way, very engaging.
1: I wouldn't say so. There is exposition. Exposition is not the right word for it. But what I what I like about this is that this is a trend that happens with several books where we. Are introduced to a character that's not pivotal to the story. Mm-hmm. We get this sort of outsider's view of mm-hmm. other characters that are important in the yeah, story. Yep. So we have this like person of no consequence um, running into all of our main characters. Yeah. So yeah. he comes across Yennefer and Siri on the road, mm-hmm. he comes across Geralt in two different places. Mm-hmm. Um, he meets Dijkstra. Yeah. Like yeah. there's all there. He as the messenger is this conduit for mm-hmm. really important things that are happening. Yeah. Um, and I just thought that it was kind of a perfect first chapter because it was like kind of zooming around like the mm-hmm. map. Like yeah. it was kind of like to me they were like checking in with Sirian Yen, mm-hmm. checking in with Gerald. like Geralt's up here. And, like, it, like, really struck me how close all of these people were, Mm -hmm, really. They mm -hmm. were within, like, a couple hundred miles the whole time. But, like, they probably feel really far away. Mm -hmm. But it's just really, it's really interesting how he does this. How an outsider is able to bring this really new perspective to... These yeah, characters yeah. we've gotten to know really well
0: and being being a messenger like it makes for a really good literary device to be like oh well that's why this guy keeps bouncing around to all these other different people
1: and it ties all of these elements into a really like not a lot of pages so mm-hmm. this is like 40 some pages yeah like
0: there is so much content on like 40 pages like so because
1: he's a royal messenger we know what the kings are planning mm-hmm. because he's delivering mm-hmm. these messages we know what's going on without yep. us having to have another council of crowns like mm-hmm. another writer might have had a like twenty page, like span yep. where we just learn what all the counselors are are telling mm-hmm. the kings to do, or like we might have a little check in with all of the kings.
0: It's so much better than trade negotiations. The book.
1: It's just a really interesting style. Of course, the immediate mm-hmm. implication of what happened with the messenger dying, mm-hmm. with Applegat dying, mm-hmm. is that that really pivotal message. Mm-hmm about there being a betrayal mm-hmm. not to proceed with the ambush mm-hmm. it's Dol Ingra never gets delivered yep. to um, Demivend. Yep. So Demivend is going to go ahead without the information or message from Vizimir. He
0: doesn't know that it's a trap.
1: So yeah, that, that is a pretty That's pivotal big. death.
0: That's big. That's very big.
1: So we know that some shit is going to go down. Yes. And in that vein.
0: <laughs> so yeah, in... In light of that, uh I think I think I need a nightcap. I don't know about you. I think so. Yeah. Um that's a that's a lot to unpack from from that chapter. It's it's coming hard and fast already. So tonight um we are drinking a um a just a red blend uh from Santa Maria, California. Surprise. Um, and
1: what's it called?
0: It is called Dark Waves. Uh, it is a is a red blend from uh Central Coast Wine Warehouse. Um so this is a, this is a Trader Joe's wine. Yes. Um so I think it probably is while it is probably actually not one of their rebranded ones. Um it may be part of like a wholesale kind of thing. Um but it was it's a got some really really cool cover art here or well Bottle art, cover art, really,
1: really art. cool bottle art. Mm-hmm. Um, that was what caught my eye, along with the fact that it was six dollars.
0: Yeah, I mean <laughs> Trader Joe's. <laughs> so we've we've talked about before how like price point doesn't necessarily a good wine make. Um, so this might be one of those, but it may it may not be good. But it looks like it's going to be pretty interesting. Um, dark waves, inspired by the different varieties that flourish in California. Our Central Coast Red Blend showcases notes of bright red fruit and spice with an elegant tannic structure on the finish. Expressive and approachable, this is a food-friendly red wine perfect for any occasion.
1: Hmm. Hmm. Any occasion. Any
0: occasion. But it it doesn't, one thing I don't like about it is it doesn't tell you what what the blend actually is. Um, So we may have to guess a little bit on that, but we'll see. Shall we open it up and give it a shot? Yes. Okay. Oh, also, it's a twist off cap. Uh, it is not a. It is. It is not a cork,
1: as all classy wines are.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Um. Classy but, yeah.
1: with a capital K.
0: Classy with a K. So,
1: this was an Alexa pick, by the way.
0: This was, in fact, an Alexa pick.
1: We originally had another wine picked out, but I saw this and I thought that it fit our theme and our vibe. Um. As we get into these meteor plot-driven, less themed um, chapters, it's going to be more important to match our theme than necessarily like what's happening because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things happening. Yeah, yep. and I think that I get very like butterfly effect vibes mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. this um, because one small action mm-hmm. can have all of these consequences and we yeah. have all of these characters interacting in these interesting ways um, so like these dark forces these mm-hmm. dark waves if you will are underpinning the narrative
0: Ooh, ooh, and we have wine title
1: <laughs> i, I want to do a little like you know tell you why i picked it so mm-hmm. you I understand i know i like it Thank you. I'm in marketing, so I can kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very deep plum. I mean, it's a very rich color.
0: It's very, very deep plum. It's very purple, though. Um, it's not very opaque. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of light coming through it. Um,
1: very sharp.
0: Mhm. Actually, I keep keep getting like floral notes of the yeast profile, so I'm I'm interested to and that's just from pouring it. So
1: tobacco and leather.
0: Mhm. Definitely tobacco and leather like right off the uh, right off the bat. I am getting a very strong yeast profile from this. Are are you getting that too? I believe so. Mhm. It, it kind of smells like pears or pears or bananas.
1: I get that as like the second thing.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Which is very unusual for a, for a wine in general. I'm getting just a touch of citrus on the tail end, too.
1: A little bit of menthol as well.
0: It might be it might be more of a menthol. Hang on. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Y-
1: you don't get the menthol.
0: No, I, I I get yeah, I I get it. There's something on the tail end that I'm it, it's probably just a tannin. Um but I it, to me it smells a little bit more like lemon, but
1: I'm not getting the citrus. No. But it might just be that our noses are different.
0: I it might just be that I just like down a like a massive cup of coffee and probably have like coffee up my nose.
1: Coffee is like a a cleanser in some ways though.
0: Yeah, but you're you're not supposed to drink it with cream and sugar then. Well, <laughs> As someone who just drank a big cup of coffee with cream and sugar or cream and Splenda, I should say.
1: Should we taste it?
0: I think so. I think so. You you ready? I'm ready. Oh, wow. Um, to me, uh, the first like the first like top tip of the sip is like getting slapped in the face with a cherry yes Um, deep
1: rich cherry
0: (laughs) but not in a bad way
1: i i taste the tobacco Mm, mm. and the leather
0: yeah that is that's fun
1: it kind of does punch you in the face with the cherry
0: yeah yeah um but it's definitely yeah like they said it has a lot of nice tannin on the finish
1: so to me it's cherry cut with the um the deeper flavor Mm -hmm. profile so it's Mm -hmm. cut with the tobacco and leather yeah yep and that's a nice balance. It's not really like it's got a lot more jamminess than I would expect. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's very fruit forward. Yeah. But I like that the other flavors in it temper it.
0: I would suspect it's a. ooh. I would suspect it's a Pinot Noir and a Syrah.
1: A Petit Syrah.
0: I think a p- Petit Syrah is something different. Um, I would suspect Pinot Noir, Cab Franc and Syrah.
1: It even has a little bit of butteriness. Just a Do touch. Do you get that? Like yeah. Yeah, just
0: a little. That must be it must be a little bit of a west coast red thing. Um depending on where they said central central California, I think.
1: It doesn't have a lot of effervescence. It's it's very flat. Um but mm, that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing. It's no, just no. it's it's very like dense. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, Central Coast California.
1: Does it have a year or is it just unmarked?
0: 2019
1: okay so it's a recent wine
0: yeah yeah so i don't not think a it, lot of aging nope i don't so you're think you're not it's, gonna
1: get a lot of oak or anything like nope, that
0: nope it's not picking up a lot of like barreling or anything like that um so it's yeah it's very crisp in that regard um
1: it's a fruity little wine i like it
0: it's it's very fruity um it's like a this may sound gross but it, i mean this in, in in all the best way it's like a Kool-Aid tea. I don't. Tell me I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> it's got like a lot of juiciness, but I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's just like a younger wine that hasn't had time to pick up that like oak ageiness. you know? Yeah. So and like,
0: actually, I think a a bottle of this would probably age pretty well. Like if you if you just kept it in a in a cellar for like a couple of years, I'd be mean, willing to bet you it would mellow out real fun.
1: Yeah, I like this. It's very punchy. It's very like, it's got a lot of personality.
0: Yeah. That, and that's what I mean. Like it, it, it's like, it's like fruit punch tea. Like it kind of, yeah, The it, it, it's like drinking Kool-Aid on the front end in a good way.
1: It it reminds me of like a pomegranate juice or something like Actually, that. Actually, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of. It's like that sweetness up front with like mm-hmm. the bitterness of.
0: And the dryness uh, yeah, on the back. Right, yep. 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 Yeah yeah how pomegranate has almost that like dry oiliness towards the end, and I mean once again mean that in a good way um it's it's the tannins pomegranate has a lot of tannins in it mm-hmm. as well so
1: the the tannins definitely come mm-hmm. come through on like the second second of this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big cherry fan, but I do like it a lot in wine
0: it's yeah well it if it's done right if it shows up right in wine. Um, it'll mellow out. It's not just cherry. It's not like eating a cherry pie.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's kind of indistinguishable from other fruits in a lot of ways. But Yeah,
0: it should be, it should be like a cherry layer or a cherry like background.
1: So like, what would you rate this?
0: Ooh, uh, out of what?
1: I don't know, like based on the wines we generally drink.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I'd give it like a, I'd give it like an eight and a half out of 10.
1: Okay. That's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would rate it about an eight as well. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy it. It's not like a typical.
0: Yeah. It's definitely. It's not a typical wine. It's very different from anything that we've, we've really, well, other than it's a red wine from California. <laughs> um, it's, it's a little different from a lot of our, a lot of the other wines that we've had for a while. So. I think it's time for the last call. What do you think? Yeah. Do you have any safe rounds or alibis?
1: Okay. Well, I guess let's start with um, the messages like from Kings. Like, mm-hmm. So we get a sense of um, where the geopolitics are going. Mm-hmm. So
4: mm-hmm.
1: we're picking up from where we left in Chapter 6, mm-hmm. where the Council of Crowns was discussing doing this false flag operation um, mm, mm-hmm. to incite a war with Nilfgaard and yep. then not be blamed for it. Yeah. Um, so what ends up happening, um, we learn throughout the course of um, the exchanges that Applegat is um, taking between kings, is that there mm-hmm. has been a betrayal. Yeah. Um, and that the um false flag operation, which they thought would take Nilfgaard off guard, mm-hmm. which is always <laughs> funny to say. <laughs> um, would end up so basically Nilfguard's ready for them. Mm-hmm. They have someone who has informed them of all of these plans and they have like an army. They also have a very large
0: force right there ready to go. Yep.
1: <sighs> how do we feel about how this is shaping up? Because we clearly have like a world war in the making here
0: i have three words to say okay it's a trap yes <laughs> it is absolutely a trap um and i mean like it, it, it's some 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 shit is about to go down um and i am i'm here for it i guess i wow, mean you that's, said
1: that so with so much uncertainty
0: <laughs> i mean like it's because like i know i know a bunch of bad shit's about to go down too right like i mean i i'm i'm here for the entertainment factor obviously um because this is fantasy reading and it's entertainment you know it's escapism no matter what right um but at the same time like some bad shit's about to go down like you know you never as i said in the last you know in the last chapter that like you very often when you're reading or when you're engaged with characters, like you don't want, even though you, the, the conflict is entertaining, mm-hmm. you don't want to see any harm come to them. You know what I mean? Um You want to see them living in a rainbow on a cloud kind of thing.
1: Yeah, but the conflict is where right. the entertainment is.
0: That's where the story is.
1: And it is really just a backdrop to our main plot because mm-hmm. what's happening in the world is, of course, a part of it. Mm-hmm. But all of our characters are not really. They're involved in it. But at the same time, there are much greater concerns. Mm-hmm. Like Siri is the greatest concern. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else just ends up being a factor. And she. It.
0: Yeah. She is Frodo taking the ring to Mordor.
1: It's one plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's. It's very like butterfly effect, as I said, mm-hmm. when the messenger Applegat dies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. upon taking um, this very important message mm-hmm. to Event because this is like the pivotal message. Yeah, this is the yeah. message that since it's going to be lost to time, we know the consequences of that. Yeah, yeah. As a result, Event is going to proceed With the operation, Mm -hmm. and Nilfgaard is going to come through that door, Mm -hmm. and war is happening, and Mm -hmm. Nilfgaard very much has the upper hand. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a huge windfall for Nilfgaard.
0: Mm -hmm. And, like, I haven't even read ahead. You've read ahead, so you know what happens, but, like, I haven't even read ahead, and I'm, like, you know, clenching my toes reading this, (laughs) like... (laughs) Like this. This is not good. This is we. This is I can already see the effects of what's going to happen beyond this.
1: And what's ironic is that um, Applegat is killed by hell, which they are working mm-hmm. in conjunction with Nilfgaard. But it's not like these people had directions to shoot down the yes. messenger. And
0: it was like just kind of like a just because they were goading this one person on. Like, it's like
1: a coincidence mm-hmm. of like the highest order. Yep. And yep. as a result many many people will die yes. unnecessarily yep. Yep. Um, I like seeing all of these cameos from people that we know really well at this point mm-hmm. um, like we didn't get a lot of like Jennifer and Siri, but we saw what they were doing we checked in with them we know they're on their way to this other place mm-hmm. to Cora's Velen um, we see where everyone is on the board. It's a good catching up chapter without being too tedious. It's not yeah, like... Yeah, actually. yeah. We get these little glimpses, these little scenes of people through Applegat's eyes. And then, mm-hmm. of course, we get a POV part from Geralt. Mm-hmm. So we know what Geralt's up to. Geralt will be the main POV person, again, for this mm-hmm. book. Um, what did you think of Geralt's interaction with Codringer? I think...
0: I really loved it, honestly. Um, I was going to ask you what your thoughts were on Codringer in general. Um, because I really do. He's a really interesting character. Um, and I don't know what about him makes him so compelling. Um, I think it's just because he is so slimy. Um, that I think that because he is so slimy, um, it's sort of like he's kind of an interesting contrast to Geralt. Mm-hmm um and that might might be why their interaction is interesting um because Geralt is very much like has a very strict code of like you know kind of don't be evil kind of um kind of don't be evil <laughs> and Cadringer is like now nah, whatever gets you the most money <laughs> like
1: yeah i Codringer almost seems out of place in this book. He really um, does, but I kind of like it because it's so different than the majority of characters mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. we've been introduced to. Like Codringer, um, he is this person that doesn't really care for like all the moral stuff. Mm-hmm, He's really mm-hmm. just in it for like, okay, whoever pays me, like, gets my services. Yeah, I don't really yep. care who it is, and I think Geralt would say he's like that you know it doesn't matter who pays me Mm -hmm. but he also is so lawful good sometimes like that he's not willing to do what he has to do to protect the people that he loves so Codringer is very um the you know ends justify the means Mm -hmm. so he's very machiavellian in the way that he's approaching Mm -hmm. this basically whatever i have to do to get the desired result is fine Like So what he says to Geralt at one point, so I'm specifically talking about his um, ploy to get this girl that's a Mm -hmm. lookalike to Ciri Mm -hmm. to take the fall. So they capture Ciri, she dies or whatever they want to do with her. And as a result, the real Ciri is allowed to get off and Mm -hmm. not be searched for. Yeah, That is like, okay, yeah, I'm solving your problem. But Geralt only sees that there would be another victim. Yep. And as a result, he's not willing to do it.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because. Kodringer at the beginning says, like, I'm a witcher of sense. And I think while, yeah, like that, that's a whole other conversation. Um, Kodringer really is like. What Geralt would actually be if he were the way that Geralt says that he is.
1: Yeah, that's a good point
0: um like it's it's he is like he is what you what it's claimed to be mm-hmm. Geralt is who he actually is i mean if that makes sense um, so
1: yeah, I think I know what you mean. So uh, Geralt constantly says, "I don't have emotions. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. don't care who pays me. I just care about getting paid." I just care about getting Kodringer paid. Codringer actually lives that lifestyle. Yes, yes. he actually he, doesn't care about who is paying him. Mm-hmm. He cares about I want my money. Like I want to get mine.
0: Yep, Codringer walks the walk. Geralt talks the talk.
1: Yeah, and like Geralt's not even willing to do. Like he's not willing. You know that like the um the exercises where like you could kill one person to save five. Oh, the, oh, like, the, trolley. the, the trolley the trolley example exercise. Yep. um like utilitarianism mm-hmm. is whatever does the best thing for the majority of people mm-hmm. is morally better yeah um Geralt would be like no burn down the trolley (laughs) like I need to save everyone save everyone yeah um Geralt like really can't even stomach Mm -hmm. possibly um resulting in one person's death Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and that has consequences unfortunately Mm -hmm. he could save people if he was willing to sacrifice something but he really only wants to do what Mm -hmm. is morally right Um, so I think in that way, Codringer is a foil for Geralt. Mm -hmm. Um, he -hmm. is like this person that has a much different code that he lives by. Yes. Yep. And Geralt is morally good to a fault. Mm -hmm. Codringer is neutral.
0: Morally. Yeah.
1: Maybe a little evil, but like. Yeah. He's
0: bordering on evil. (laughs) Um he's He's neutral, bordering on evil, um I would say he's he's kind of like chaotic, neutral, chaotic evil somewhere in there.
1: I think it's really interesting that he's this broker of information
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that he's able to like get things done and fix things. Mm-hmm. He's this very interesting character. In a, in a time when you haven't really heard a lot about lawyers in the Witcher universe, mm-hmm. like he mm-hmm. is this like weird he quote unquote this weird lawyer. Niche. Yeah, like, yeah. um, the majority of people um don't have access to this information. The mm-hmm. majority of people can't find the answers to things. He's like the only person that we've like learned can find this stuff out. Yeah. Um. So it's it's really he's like an interesting oddball character. Mm-hmm.
0: So my two questions are, well, one of them is not really a question, more of an observation. He's very analogous to Dijkstra, um, but more about money than power and information for information's
3: sake.
0: Mm-hmm. like gets information, does things, leans on people for the sake of just getting more money. Um,
1: so I would say to that... Dijkstra's master is Redania. So mm-hmm. Dijkstra cares about what's good for um keeping his faction and country and king in power. Mm-hmm. Codringer's master is money.
0: Yes. Yep.
1: I think that's the key difference.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think I think Dijkstra has Dijkstra is definitely lawful. He does have a code that he falls to. Mm-hmm. Um we've talked about that before. I don't know that Codringer does. I, I don't think, think
1: Codringer he... is willing to do whatever mm-hmm. or the I think, I think it's whoever pays he, whoever the whoever pays is yep. going to get but okay, let me be a little bit of devil's advocate here. Mm-hmm. He does value Geralt more than he does um the Temerian mm-hmm. agents that come to him.
0: I I also suspect that um with kadringer there's a there's a distrust of the state mm. um that occurs there um
1: so he's a little lone gunman i
0: think he is um because if you look at the way he's set up and the way he's operated and the way he he works to circumvent the mechanisms of the state in a lot of ways um mm. because he looks to circumvent like murder convictions he looks to circumvent like um, a lot of the examples that were given. So I, th- I think there's a little bit of like a little bit of like kind of like subversiveness, like, like state subversiveness in, in Codringer. Hmm. Um, so I think he kind of likes, you know, playing, you know, against the playing for the little guy kind of thing. Um so it's not just about whoever pays the most, I think. Um, but it's mostly whoever pays the most.
1: Geralt does quip, well, if the Temerian guards would have like offered you more money than me, I... would you suddenly be more beholden to that? Yeah,
0: and, and that's a good question. But I think the other thing, too, is that I think he also sees Geralt as a potential long game.
1: I do think that you're right in that because, mm-hmm. as he mentioned later, he wanted to hire him. He wants
0: to hire Geralt, yeah, because... He
1: realizes that there's usefulness Yeah, there.
0: like, Geralt is is almost unstoppable. Like, come work for me and we can... We can rule do some the, shit. We can rule the world.
1: <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the things that Codringer tells Geralt. Mm-hmm. So we learn a little bit of background on Reince. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that he's working for potentially a like sorcerer, a more mm-hmm. powerful sorcerer he's mm-hmm. like sort of a assistant,
0: yeah um we do know that like um so he did mention that that Reince can actually do magic um kind which, of. which was, yeah yeah but he he can actually do magic, but he didn't he didn't complete any formal training he's a, um,
1: he's a um sorcerer school dropout. Mm-hmm. And he was in the military for some time. Mm-hmm. So he has some skills, but the magic that he's able to do is clearly the work of some greater sorcerer. Somebody
0: else has given him like the, you know, the phrases to say and like the, you know, the amulets to like throw at people kind of thing.
1: So we know Nilfgaard is employing Reince in some way, mm-hmm. but there seems to be this other person in the middle that's like, there's a, who is this other person? There's
0: a There's a third degree there. Um, that doesn't quite—that no one can quite piece in yet. So,
1: so do you have any idea who this like intermediary between Reince and Nilfgaard could be at this point?
0: Mm. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that it could be Vogelforts.
1: Vogelforts? Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Um, the
0: thing that really—the uh, thing that really sets me out was the fact that he had. In one of the scenes, back in one of the uh, earlier chapters, uh, he had a whole bunch of like, tracking magical tracking equipment, um, and it was right before we saw Siri and uh, Yen, um, and then they had to depart really, really quickly from, right. uh, from the Temple of Malatel. Um, so I have a sneaking suspicion that he's been tracking Siri and Yen, or trying to. I don't know to what end, and I don't remember what king he actually works for.
1: Yeah. You know, it's really interesting at this point because, like, Codringer and Fen bring up really good points about this. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Nilfgaard doesn't really admire sorcerers and sorceresses the way that other kings do. Mm -hmm. Like, other Mm -hmm. kings let sorcerers and sorceresses have a seat at the table like mm-hmm. Nilfgaard doesn't mm-hmm. really do that. So, like, that is, like, a big question of, like, why?
0: Yeah. If they were working for Nilfgaard, a sorcerer or a sorceress wouldn't have this kind of free reign.
1: So that's a big question. Um and, and it's one that we're going to have to do some major consideration on. Mm, mm. Um, but, like, it, girl's kind of running out of time because it's like, I need to know this information yesterday. Mm-hmm, Ryan's is mm-hmm. after me. Yeah, I'm in this yep. really bad situation. Um, but, yep. like, there's all of these potential candidates and it doesn't really make any sense because, like, the motive doesn't really make mm-hmm. sense. Nothing
0: quite fits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Um I was going to say the other thing too is that it it they may be um Nilfgaard may be working through like a sort of like a a shadow organization hmm. or like a it may be like a shell type thing or like they've hired someone independently kind of thing.
1: Interesting.
0: Mhm. I don't know who, but
1: um so what do you make of like Ben's um, interpretation of some of Kalante's actions, like part of it was he was trying to create this crafty narrative where Siri would no longer be a pawn because she wasn't suitable to ascend to the throne because of her mother's marriage to mm-hmm. But I thought it was really interesting. Do you think Kalante was as sneaky and as like? Machiavellian as uh, Fenn makes her out to be here
0: um, well I mean yeah definitely um, <laughs> she is very much all about uh, you know power and wielding it um, I mean I would have figured she'd be a little bit more conventionally militaristic in her like like claim to power but I mean she definitely seems a little bit more like whatever needs to happen kind of thing like within some reason <laughs>
1: I believe that she might have had something to do with the death of her husband because it totally Mm -hmm. makes sense to Mm -hmm. me that he, like, he is in the way and he could possibly be killing her, like, Mm -hmm. to get this young queen. He could, Henry Mm -hmm. VIII her. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting because I have been trying to, for the past, like, probably three books, (laughs) two books, I have been trying to wrap my head around, like, where, why, or how Pavetta and Dooney disappeared. Um, I know, we know the how, um, but we still don't really know, like, the why. It's very suspicious. So, like, and now, like, seeing that, I was like, that that kind of makes sense. um, Because they, she, Calante may have been threatened by them.
1: I really don't believe that she would have anything to do with Pavetta and Juni's death. Like, maybe Juni, but... Pavetta was her daughter, and I really think that she was loyal to that. Like mm. I, because mm-hmm. think about like the relationship, at least the glimpses we've seen between yeah, her and Siri. True. Like, and Siri's vision in chapter seven, where she remembers how distraught Kalanthe mm. was. Like, now it might just be that Kalanthe is a really great actress. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, like I really don't believe she would do that to her daughter. So I believe the narrative on a lot of things. I really mm, think mm-hmm. she wanted to keep herself in power. Mm-hmm. But I also like just kind of that's that's the thing that I get hung up on.
0: Yeah. But I mean like the motivation is definitely there. Like if she had a son or if Pavetta and Dooney had a son, would that son then be more in line to take on to take the throne? Um, and realistically like at that point I don't know would Calante be okay with that or was she threatened by that um I don't know I don't really don't really have an answer to that one so
1: I think the narrative had a lot of good points Mm -hmm. I think that um I don't know if she would have gone as far as Ben was suggesting she would to keep in power um but that is it is a possibility Mm Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the just the um, like the fact that she hired Geralt to make it so Dooney and Pavetta could marry. So they would have this like sort of misaligned match and that person mm-hmm. wouldn't ascend to the throne. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense to me because mm-hmm. why else mm-hmm. would Geralt be there? Yeah, yeah. Like, but the law of surprise thing, like I think was a, a surprise to Kalampe as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was just really interesting to hear that. um take on it and putting those pieces together Mm
4: -hmm.
1: Um, what do you make of the fact that like Dooney might be this sort of misaligned match that he might not even be who he was saying he was
0: I um I definitely like have been trying to piece in something there and I don't know what it is and it it makes sense to me that there's no record of a Dooney in any of the lineage of Ackerspark. A- a- Spark, Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, of Mecht.
0: Uh, that there's no record of any children that he had that had that name. Um, now it's possible that Dooney was going by a different name or something. Um, I do find it really, and it, it, it kind of fits into the narrative of like, 's still this wild card to me hmm. um and I, I haven't been able to like fit him in anywhere into the storyline into into what happened and where he came from
1: yeah he is this person that just seemed to operate out of nowhere
4: mm-hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. and that is the big question mark yeah yep. like where did he come from Mm -hmm. like was he lying about his identity or was like because he could always be saying he was someone else like he could always be using a different name or maybe he just wasn't claimed on the lineage records Mm -hmm. like maybe Akerspark wasn't his dad and he came from somewhere else like he could be a noble of some other realm there's a lot of possibilities with him but
0: also like wouldn't why wouldn't if he's going to claim to be, you know, a you know, the next in line for the throne for somewhere. Why wouldn't you just claim to be the person who's on the record? You know yeah, what I that's, mean? Yeah,
1: that's that's a good point. But like there are a lot of questions that don't make sense with me mm-hmm.
0: That's what I mean. Like even the questions don't necessarily make sense. So
1: Yeah, that it is a big question, Mark. Mm-hmm. Um at at this point, like the I think Ante keeps trying to tease us with the child of the elder blood and the elven Mm. prophecy. Mm. Um, What are your questions about the prophecy right now? Or what do you want to know?
0: Is it weird that I don't have a ton of questions about the elven prophecy?
1: You just, you're, you're along for the ride.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of along for the ride, but also like, I kind of feel like there's some sort of like, there's definitely a big, like apocalypse type, like Ragnarok style thing that's coming down the pipeline with the prophecy, but kind of like what, Cla- what Codringer um, said is that like the problem with prophecies is that they often have such heavy coded language mm-hmm. and they can mean so many different things that trying to derive meaning out of them is very difficult and like almost not worth it. So like, I'm a little bit more engaged in the the here and the now of like what's occurring rather than like, yeah, I know there's a big, bad, big, bad, evil thing coming. Based on this prophecy, but that's all I know about and that's all that I really necessarily care too much about for right now.
1: right. Yeah, no, I think that's that's good. it It is revealed to us chunk by chunk mm-hmm. and it makes much more sense later.
0: Yeah, and I think like once once maybe a, a few more pieces fall into place, I'll probably be a lot more engaged in seeing what it means and how it shakes out. Um, but for right now, like it's just a prophecy. You know, there might be something, you know, a series seems to have fulfilled a couple of things kind of thing, but but it's still kind of just a prophecy, um, and it could go a whole bunch of different ways, and I don't know where it falls into things.
1: Yeah. I, I don't want to give too much away because a lot will be revealed, mm-hmm. and I, I don't want to give any potential spoilers because yeah, yeah, I want everyone yeah. to be surprised. <laughs> um. I think that, um, so we, we get a little bit of like, we know now that where Ciri and Yennefer are going. Mm-hmm. So we know that they're going to Gore's Velen. Mm-hmm. And the reason that they're going to Gore's Velen is because of this conclave that's supposed to be happening mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. Isle of the Ned. Mm-hmm. Um, so the chapter is meeting mm-hmm. to discuss Something, Yeah. yeah, And we hear this repeatedly throughout the chapter. So we know that this is going to be a big event. Why do you think this conclave is being called? What do you think the importance of it is? Mm. What is your sense of it for now?
0: My sense of it more is that they're trying to determine the role that magic users are going to play in the coming war. Hmm. Um, because I feel like they, they all know that war is coming. Um, but they want they have historically been involved in wars. Right. And it works out very poorly for the magic users all around. They all end up dying horribly, getting like involved and like destroyed and people end up resenting them more for being involved.
1: Like at Sodon. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. sorcerers were considered the heroes of that.
0: They were considered the heroes. But they by, also
1: had a heavy toll.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yep. They were considered the heroes by a lot of people. Um, but maybe you know, what was what was the end the end outcome for the sorcerers that they ended up just getting decimated um many people died many got horribly maimed and for what for you know a lot of like non-magic users to turn around and be like well we we still don't like you um we don't trust you you're all a bunch of shifty magic users um you know you may have done some cool things maybe one time in one battle but like we still don't like you and don't want you
1: around. So you think Yennefer will be part of those conversations?
0: It, I think that'll probably be part of the conversations that'll that'll come. And of course, Yen is is the, is going there. I want to know what she's going to do with Siri in the meantime, though, hmm. <laughs> which I think might be an interesting question. We'll probably find out next chapter.
1: Uh, she's just gonna leave her at daycare for a while. Oh, okay,
0: yeah, like the the magical. Just drop her off. The chosen child daycare center. We
1: actually never hear from Siri again.
0: Yeah, okay. That's the end of it. That's the daycare center that you leave uh, Neo, Harry Potter, yeah, um, Siri, and uh, Ooh. I can't think of too many more. Like it's
1: like the Pokemon daycare. You yeah, just leave them for a while.
0: Yeah, you just leave them for a while. They come back a little more leveled up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, that works.
1: <laughs> um so Geralt goes after these thugs that Mm -hmm. are that are after Yennefer and Mm Ciri it it is a really funny thing because Applegat has now come across Geralt's path two times Mm -hmm. and he ends Mm -hmm. up seeing him brutally murder some folks yeah yeah who do you think these thugs were working for and why would they be following Yennefer and Ciri
0: oh um I mean the thugs could could have been the mercenary guys could have been working for really just about anybody
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> um, because the, like it's it's a shorter list of who's not after siri seems like um, everyone is it's pretty much literally everyone but
1: remember a lot of the kings think that siri's dead now because uh, several of them are relaying the message that the mm. lion Cub mm-hmm. is dead
0: mm-hmm. huh you raise an interesting point um Does end up coming back to potentially to Vogelforts again.
1: Vilgolforts.
0: Vilgolforts. Vil Vilgolforts.
1: Why, why do you want to call him Vogelforts?
0: I don't know because that's what's in my brain.
1: Okay, it's Vogelforts.
0: Okay, Vogelforts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, because if if he is a magic user, he would know. He would be able to recognize the are a little bit of magical signature. You know what I mean. Um, maybe.
4: Okay.
0: I'm watching your reaction. I <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't have a reaction. I think it's an interesting theory.
0: Um, but I mean, like, there's not really many people else that I can think of. Um, other than like people on the council, um, who would or, know. Or
1: here's, here is a, uh, wild thought. Mm-hmm what if Dijkstra sent after sent these thugs after Yen and Siri mm-hmm. to find out um, or like after Yennefer to find out like if Siri was really alive.
0: I, I had that thought um, and like that was definitely a thought that I, that I had, like I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe Dijkstra like hired those guys because that is kind of like the type of thing that he would do. Um, and it's definitely a possibility because I was going to say the timeline maybe doesn't make sense, but it definitely does.
1: Because remember, Yennefer has worked for Dijkstra in the past.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who
1: knows if she's still like in contact with him, but yeah, that is yeah. a relationship that's existed. So it's plausible that he would know where she's headed. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he doesn't know like
0: why she's headed yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's a possibility. Um, this, this chapter raises more questions than it answers really. So, but I mean, that makes sense since it's the first chapter.
1: Well, and also there's a lot of loose ends with that theory because Deekstra finds out kind of on coincidence from this one mm-hmm. messenger who happens to be at an inn. um, see this happen. So yeah, yeah. that's probably not a likely theory, but.
0: Well, I mean like it could be, but it also couldn't be. Or, I it's mean, probably
1: not Dijkstra, but... It's
0: probably not Dijkstra. It might be, um, because that may have been... The reason it piqued his curiosity was because he may have done that and not told anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, he's hearing like secondhand, like, Oh, the dudes that I hired got killed by Geralt. That's interesting. Why would Geralt kill the dudes that I hired?
1: So um, Applegat ends up telling Dijkstra what he knows about Geralt fighting the thugs, which means Dijkstra is now um, in the know Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. the Lion Cub's alive. Yep. So now Rodania and Dijkstra have this valuable information. Correct. Correct. So that will be interesting to see play out. Mm -hmm. Um, So we know, like we talked about at the top of the episode, that... um, now things are going to get messy Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. the message wasn't delivered to them. And the false flag operation is going to continue. Yep. Um, what do you expect to see from the war in the next chapters?
0: Um, Hmm. I mean, I'm definitely expecting to see something of a massacre. Um, I'm expecting to see also. So here's what's more than likely going to happen. Um, I don't know how many, how many, how many, how much manpower um, the the allies have committed to this, um, but they're walking into a trap, which means that they're going to all get like horribly butchered depending on how much of their of their actual manpower they invested in that, that may have, like, significantly decimated their militaries. Um, which may leave them mostly defenseless when Nilfgaard then turns around and says, hey, I'm taking everything else.
1: I'm coming up, bitches. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they may not have much to defend themselves with.
1: Um, it kind of reminds me, and I don't want to go into a football, like...
0: Mm-hmm. tangents. Go but, for it. Um We got the superb owl coming up.
1: Okay. So, in American football, mm-hmm. um it often comes down to equally uh talented teams. Like and In what, evenly matched American football.
0: Okay. <laughs> Sorry.
1: In in the NFL, often you'll have really low scoring games mm-hmm. where you'll have teams that have great players on mm-hmm. both sides. Um, and one of the things you were telling me in a recent game we were watching is it comes down to the person that makes the least mistakes. Yes. And that's sort of what war feels like sometimes. Mm -hmm. It like comes down to the person that makes the fewest mistakes. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's, what's so interesting with this is that Nilfgaard seems to have the intelligence channels and seems to always be like one or two or three or four steps
0: Intelligence wins wars.
1: Intelligence wins wars. Um, so they always seem to be a few steps. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they seem to be ahead of their their mm-hmm. competition, of their fellow rulers. Mm-hmm. And Amir always seems to be in the know because mm-hmm. he has all these channels of information.
0: I think that's one of the reasons I like Deekster so much is because he understands that.
1: He's like the only person that understands Mm -hmm. all of these rulers are like, oh, yeah, we'll probably be fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, do this one thing. We don't
0: need to do any reconnaissance. We don't need to figure anything out. We don't need to have any any spies anywhere. No.
1: And I think that's what's so interesting about Nilfgaard is they seem to have like ears everywhere. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But right now, what is coming down to is the person that makes the fewest mistakes. And right now, that's Nilfgaard.
0: That's Nilfgaard. Um so that that mentality uh is very true when you have very evenly matched teams. So you have teams that are evil, able to keep themselves keep each other at bay. Um the team that makes the fewest mistakes is generally going to be the one that wins. Um in this case it's it's kind of interesting because Nilfgaard Isn't it? They're not really evenly matched, you know what I mean? Nilfgaard is still, you
1: would think that these four kingdoms that have, yes, okay. (laughs) So, so let's not think about these individual kingdoms, and that's what I was gonna gonna go into. Major kingdoms that are combining together, Mm -hmm. so all of these disparate kingdoms are trying to, um, they're like greater in numbers, Mm -hmm. right? So, it's like five of them, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna outsmart them because Mm -hmm. we're working together. Mm But Nilfgaard is just always ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Even if they have more in numbers, mm-hmm. like Nilfgaard just has the network. They have the yep. resources. Yep. And that's why they seem unstoppable mm-hmm. right now.
0: I was going to say the only thing that puts them on even footing and being an even match is the fact that there's five of them combining forces to go up against <laughs> the one Nilfgaard.
1: It has to be, like, all of these people, like, these little people, like, standing on each other's shoulders mm-hmm. with, like, a long coat, you know? Like, yeah. that's, that's what <laughs> it ends up being right now against the yeah. Nilfgaard. Yeah. Because um, Nilfgaard's is just this giant. Mm-hmm. And what's worse is that they never saw this coming. Like, they didn't see them building up and preparing mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. Nilfgaard was sort of able to use their assumptions against them. Like, yep. you guys thought that I was down here just doing nothing. Yeah. No, no, I was building strength. We're, I was we're growing We're building a military.
0: Yep. We're building an army.
1: And assumptions, they lead to you being surprised. Because if you're underestimating your enemy, your enemy can use that.
0: Mm-hmm. When you make assumptions, you make an ass out of you and mumptions Yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm really eager to see how this one butterfly effect thing with the messenger carrying Mm, this mm -hmm. important message is going to play out. But, like, what are you most excited to see? Like, we're in chapter one. We've got Mm -hmm. six more chapters um, of action ahead of us. What are you most excited to see?
0: You know, the weird thing is that I actually have no idea. Really? Um, Because I have no idea where this could be going. Um, There's so many different ways that it could go. I don't necessarily even have... I'm sure there's foreshadowing in there that I'll recognize as foreshadowing like once we get there. Um, but like in terms of like an actual like direction, I'm assuming we'll see Yen probably get to the council. Um, other than that, we'll we'll see the battle. Um, obviously, we're going to see the fallout of that. Other than that, I have no idea where they're going with any of this.
1: I think that what I like most about this book is that... Um... Like, it's the most overtly political book, but Mm -hmm. not in a bad way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that everyone's presenting a certain image or projecting an image, and Mm -hmm. there are underpinnings, and there are things that are going on below the surface. Yeah, absolutely. And so I really like, this is a great character study book. We're going to meet a bunch of people that Mm -hmm. are going to have, like, a face they project, Mm -hmm. and then something that is going on under the surface. Under the surface. Hmm. So we really have to pay attention to this person's intent like because we don't get a lot of POV characters. Yeah. Um, we're yeah. really trying to interpret the intentions of all of these really mm-hmm. different people.
0: I was really surprised when we had Applegat as a as a POV character. Yeah. Like that actually I, it's brilliant honestly looking at it now, um but it like I was not expecting it at all. So
1: Yeah, well R.I.P. to Applegat.
0: Yeah, seriously, he was. Eh, he, actually, he was kind of a, he was kind of a dick, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're gonna besmirch the death.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh,
1: pour one out for Applegat. We'll pour,
0: we'll, we'll pour, pour a little bit a out little for Applegat.
1: <laughs> he was uh, someone that we experience our other characters through, mm-hmm. and uh, sad that he died. He
0: he probably didn't deserve to die, but he wasn't he really
1: probably didn't deserve to die.
0: <laughs> probably didn't. I don't know.
1: Maybe he was a creep.
0: <laughs> well, he, he kind of reveled in taking people's horses.
1: He didn't revel in he it. He did. Well.
0: He did. He he talked fondly about making small children cry Not when he took really. their when he rode off with their pet.
1: Wow, you have a dark greed on Apple Guy. You're like, haha, mostly, I can mostly... I can steal your horses. Well, if that's the case, then why don't he just take a horse from the one innkeeper?
0: Because he didn't actually have a functional need for it at that point.
1: Well he could have demanded it if you're so evil.
0: Yeah. Well I didn't just because someone's evil doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to immediately so you're demand. saying Applecat deserves okay, that. Hang on. So they're, they're just because someone is evil does not mean that they will immediately demand and and participate in the most evil option there. There's different types of evil people. There's kick the dog evil and then there's functionally like planning plotting evil.
1: He died, okay? Like do you are you saying he was deserving of this death?
0: He wasn't deserving of this death.
1: But some death he would be. Maybe. Wow. I'm thinking I'm thinking
0: like he deserves like in his like mid 60s or so get it like catching the plague and then dying. But maybe not getting like shot in the back while riding i
1: know. I would argue that dying from the plague is probably a worse death,
0: I mean not like you know he died, a painful like, death instantly. not like a painful death from it. or or actually maybe like he got to like his sixties or so, and like his wife finally got sick of his crap and just like poisoned him, but like she wow. gets but, like she gets away with it.
1: <laughs> you really hate Apple God, I don't
0: hate him. <laughs> wow (laughs) i don't hate him really like
1: he's one pov character you meet and you're like oh this guy dies okay guy guy should die
0: you should know by now that i bear i i i see something once for one brief glimmer of a second and then i develop a very very strong opinion based around it this is a pretty common pattern for me so
1: the one really interesting part that we didn't mention is that siri had this like prophecy mm, about him that like, nobody else saw yeah <laughs> like she just sort of started talking about oh death will arrive silently on gray on gray wings. wings on gray wings and like how that came like it was really like interesting how that came full circle mm, like mm-hmm. we're like and he was trying to ignore it like oh didn't mean anything and then yeah yeah i i like the foreshadowing a lot where he like kept He kept feeling this one spot on his back. So
0: when we read it, I didn't even catch that until, um, the last bit where he does get shot. He, he talks about like having an itch on his back. Um, and he couldn't quite scratch it or anything like that. I didn't catch the other times when he mentioned it until he
1: mentioned it every time he mentioned it. Like
0: every time he wrote out. Yeah.
1: Um, were you surprised by the ending?
0: I was a little bit. Um, I really, really genuinely was, um, I, I think this is also because this is the first time we've ever seen one of series prophecies come true. Um,
1: And it's not even like series prophecies. It's well, like, yeah. It's one like the force occupying her. One of
0: the prof- prophetic words that Siri spouts out.
1: Because, <laughs> you know, she's like that conduit. She's yeah, like, yeah. She gets possessed and mm-hmm. she says some stuff. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I thought in like you know the two seconds we see Yen and Siri, Siri is already like mm-hmm. being possessed, and yeah. like then she's like all normal again, and yep. she's like, oh yeah, coming in. Like yeah. it's just really interesting.
0: Yeah, and so like I said, I think one of the things I like about this chapter is that it, it it's always nice to have like weight to like prophecies or things like that, um, and it was a really good way to have a character that had a reason for a whole bunch of bouncing around and being a third-party POV character, um, and then a way to add weight to series prophecies.
1: Yeah. like um, We see that there is clearly legitimacy to what she's saying. Yes.
0: Uh, so one of the things that always bothers me with prophecies in other, other series and other books is the fact that we only ever see the big prophecy. Mm-hmm. And even then it's always somewhat interpretive in terms of how it comes true. Um, Harry Potter, I'm looking at you Um, that like there never seems to be necessarily a whole lot of weight to the other prophecies. You know what I mean? Um, And so having like a smaller minor lower stakes thing come true is a way to lend credence to it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. We see immediate cause and effect. Yeah,
0: we we immediately see, oh, this came true and almost word for word, just not necessarily in a way that we were expecting.
1: I'm I'm really looking forward to reading the rest of this book with you. Um, there's a lot of good stuff to come. And mm-hmm. this is just the first chapter. Mm-hmm. So we're really just like, again, place setting. We're yep, yep. setting the tone for the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited.
0: I'm very excited, too. I am excited. Well, I think the fire is getting a little low, and I think it might be about that time.
1: And uh, I'm trying to remember the message I have to deliver to that king, so yeah, it, I, I have a lot going
0: on. I I can only keep one thing in my mind at a time. Um, so I'm like a goldfish right like that.
1: Now. I can't continue doing this podcast, because I no, have to yep. remember that message word for word. Yeah,
0: word for word. Oh my God, so much anxiety.
1: <laughs> Whew.
0: So, I think until next time, I'm John Mark.
1: And I'm Alexa. Good night.